it's Mike here. Check out our good new friends over at the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce podcast. Uh, a lot of great geek stuff, cosplayer news and interviews, celebrity interviews. Um, similar to us, great bunch of guys. Check them out. Subscribe today. Let them know. We be geeks sent you. Hi, this is Sanford Green, artist on Power Man and Iron Fist, and you're listening to Mighty Marvel Geeks. USB microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Sergeant, we need a response. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. <laughs> it's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're at time now. Well then, son, you've got a condition. You're so up to all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am group. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced, but I believe with the right push, they can do exactly what we need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. And welcome to another episode, I'm sorry, issue, it's issues on this show, another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the intrepid trio, Eric, Kylan, and myself, Mike, and we are joined by um, an amazing person. He's one mean... Shut uh, your mouth. Wait, wait, wait. I was just going to say, he's one mean writer for... Power Man and Iron ah. Fist and Nighthawk. Ah. So yeah, you're right. Uh, and we can only be talking about the other half of the team of Walker and Sanford Green. It's Mr. David Walker. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. You, sir, have now made it official. Of you and Sanford are the first named team that we've had on the show oh wow wow that's so it, and it's and it's good that you've had us on separately because you know we fight like cats and dogs so um no we don't we it's, we actually get along really well we've done one podcast together and it was i felt bad for the um for the host of the show because like sanford and i just will we'll go off on a tangent and just start talking about the craziest stuff so um oh this sounds like a challenge it's, yeah. this sounds yeah. like our normal what are you talking about yeah. Yes, uh, See, it's it's but it's it's normal turned up to eleven and um it, it, and it's funny and I and I and I like to talk smack about Sanford all the time so I'll do it right now. Um, he's like he, he he's one of them cats who who has not figured out the difference between sending a message on Facebook and everything else. So like sending a message on Facebook, sending an email, making a phone call, leaving a voicemail, leaving a text message, it's all the same with him. So he'll he, he'll be like. Like, uh, I, I, and I, I figured this out, like, back in February. We were at C2E2 together, and we our tables were right next to each other, but I had to go off and do some panels. Something happened. And I come back, and he's like, 
like, yo, man, I've been texting you for the last two hours. And I was like, what are you, what are you talking about texting me? I, I, and I, I was like, I didn't get a single text from you. And he's like, man, I've been, I sent you like five texts. I was like, okay, whatever, you know, um, this guy has lost his mind. And then later that night, I, I, I log on to Facebook and there's five Facebook messages. And that's when I realized he doesn't know, he, he like, like, he's like somebody's grandfather, right? Where he's like, how does this work? And uh, so he's, he, he, and I tell him all the time, he's it, it, like, just call me. If you need to call me, he'll, and he keeps odd hours. You know, I'm on the West Coast. He's in, in um, South Carolina. He's, he keeps these weird hours. So sometimes he'll, he'll, usually it's a Facebook message at like, you know, three o'clock in the morning, his time. Hey man, I got to talk to you right now. It's like, I don't, I'm not on Facebook at three in the morning, you know, text me if it's an emergency, which it's not. Um, but I love him. I love him. We had a, we had a great conversation just the other day. We were talking about some really good stuff. It's, it's honestly, it's, it's, um, it's one of the best creative collaborations I've ever had, if not the best, because um, because we actually do talk really regularly. And when I and when I say talk, I mean actually talk, not wow. Facebook message each other. So, <laughs> well, I I gotta add something to the intro that I forgot. Not only a mean writer for Power Man, Iron Fist, and Nighthawk, but 2015 Glyph Award winner as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah, thanks. I I. Uh, <laughs> That's the past, man. We're not talking about the past. We're talking about the future. But, We're talking but, about what 2016 is going to hold. But that's a nice award to. <laughs> no, it is. It's, it's, a, it's a great award, and and it and it really is. Um, you know, like I, I I've won so few awards in my life that um I try to downplay them now because they mean so much. I'm like that guy who never had a date in high school, which I never had a date in high school, and I never won anything my entire life. And so, like the Glyph Award was like the third thing I've won ever. Um. And and in high school, I won an award for being best class leader, and I was class president. So I was like, of course I'm going to win best class leader. <laughs> I, you know, what I wanted was class clown or most likely to succeed. But no, I was best class leader. It was a no brainer. So um, yeah, the Glyph Award was great, and we we were nominated again this year. Um, and I, I, uh, this time, I think I was nominated for Cyborg, and I think Shaft might have been nominated too. And it was just a great feeling, and it was like the competition is fierce because um, there's a lot of great indie talent especially in in in, in that are, that's nominated for that particular award and and this year everybody who won just so absolutely deserved it I, I know I think at least 75% of the creators that won and and I was just like so ecstatic for them because I, I see how hard they work I see the incredible quality of the work they put out and it was just it's great it really it sounds like a cliche but it's 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 an honor to be among the nominees awesome well, I want to. I want to know initially. How did you get involved, or how did Marvel come to you about taking up the helm of Power Man and Iron Fist? It's a good question. I'm still trying to figure that one out. Uh, <laughs> it was, you know, I had done. Uh, I, I'd, I'd already written Shaft, and I, and actually, Marvel had first reached out to me when when that initial Shaft first series came out, A Complicated Man, which had started coming out in 2014, the one that won the Glyph Award, and and so Marvel first reached out to me back in 2014 and and DC had reached out to me at the same time and and I I'd, I'd kind of said well I'm going to go with whoever offers me work first I felt like like that was the only smart way to do it and you know for better or worse DC was the first to offer me work so I took it and then Marvel 
had me do a, a short story for uh, one of the Secret Wars tie-ins uh, called Battle World. It was like a ten-page story, and then and then shortly after that, they asked me to do uh, a Nick Fury one-shot for the Shield 50th anniversary. And both of those, uh, the Battle World and, and that Shield one-shot, were my intro, were sort of my audition books for Marvel. And 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 it's interesting now. Now that I've been through that process, I see it happening now, like with Civil War two. I see stuff like, you know, uh, some of these other ancillary series with, you know, like like battle lines or choosing sides, I think is, is, is it. And, and I see the names of the writers and the artists and I'm like, oh, these this is the new crop of people that they're they're trying out. That they're auditioning. I went through this process 18 months ago. God, it was nerve wracking, you know. Um, <laughs> and and so on the success of the um, that power, uh, not the power, excuse me, the Nick Fury one shot. We had the dialogue had started about um, a Nick Fury solo book, and and I had said, yeah, you know, I'd be interested in it, but I really wanted it to be um, sort of a buddy book that would be like um, Fury and Coulson, and and I think I even pitched it as called The Adventures of Fury and Cheese or something like that. <laughs> um, and 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 the editor that I was talking to is a great guy named John Moisson. Um, right as the, that conversation was was really getting up and running he left Marvel, took a position someplace else. And um, and while that was going on, they were talking to me about Nighthawk. Uh, and so this was all, you know, early last year, early to middle of last year. And so um, spent a lot of time putting Nighthawk together and and sort of thinking about Nick Fury and and sort of coming up with some concepts for what I thought would be would make a Nick Fury solo book interesting and and then one day in like it was July or August of last year it was about a year ago um, I got a call from Marvel and it was uh, it was editor Jake Thomas and and he was like and and I, I told this story before I was I was actually grocery shopping so um, I had and and I need to backtrack a little bit I'm sorry I'm, I'm feeling yeah, like I'm, I'm leaving fun. out this, this, this yeah. one key detail, which everybody, I, I tend to leave out because I don't like to name drop. Um, oh, you can name one of my best fine. One of my best friends is Brian Bendis. Um, we've been friends for about 16, 17 years. I've known him for a long time. And, and so Brian had for nearly a week or two straight every day texted me and said, hey, has anyone from Marvel called you yet? And, and me being like totally cynical and paranoid thought they were going to call me to tell me that the Nighthawk deal was off, right? And so um, you know, I kept responding, going, no, I, I, I haven't heard anything. And, and and he kept going, well, has Axel called? And I was like, no. And then his, you know, uh, and, and it was driving me crazy because he wouldn't tell me what it was about. So I get this call from Jake Thomas and, and I recognize the, the phone number as being a Marvel number. And I'm grocery shopping, so I, I answered the phone. And he was like, hey, this is Jake Thomas. You know, I'm an editor at Marvel. Want to give you a call. Um, Want to see if you were interested in a book. And I was like, sure. And I'm, I'm pushing. You got to picture this. I've got a cart, shopping cart full of food. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and and he goes, he goes, okay, so, uh, yeah, we're, we're interested in talking to you about uh, Power Man and Iron Fist. And I was like, what? And he goes, yeah, Power Man and Iron Fist. And I was like, oh, oh, oh hold on. And I just, like, wandered away from my car. Heart and went and sat down. <laughs> it was like, like, like I was in this weird state of shock. And I sat down and I said, "Okay, one more time. What did you say?" And he goes, "Power Man and Iron Fist." And then the first thing I said was, "Okay, so when you say Power Man, do you mean Luke Cage or do you mean the other guy?" 
And he goes, Luke Cage. And I was like, okay. And and he was like, so you want it? And I was like, yeah. I was like, you know, I'll write it for free. And and that was that was the beginning of the conversation. And um and so needless to say, I think it was a combination of that and um and, and John Moyson leaving so that the, the Nick Fury thing kind of just fizzled out. And and to be honest, it was like the moment, you know, the names Power Man Iron Fist were put in front of me, it was like not to say that I I don't have love in my heart for, for either version of Nick Fury or for Phil Holson, but it was like, well, if this is the only book I were to ever write for Marvel, this would be it. This is going to be it. This is something I've dreamed of since um, really 1978, since they first teamed up. I was, you know, probably about 10 or nine or 10 when that uh, Power Man Iron Fist number 50 came out. I believe that was the first issue with that, mm-hmm. t- where, with that trade dress, that, that right. actual title. And um, yeah. And, it, and so that was, it was, a, it was about a year ago. And, and it was just, you know, it was interesting because during that conversation at the grocery store, you know, Jake asked me, he said, so, you know, are you familiar with a guy named Sanford Green? And I was like, yeah, you know, like not occurring to me that they were asking me, you know, what do you think of working with him? And I was like, oh, yeah, I've known Sanford for years. He's a great guy. And and um, and, and you know, Jake was like, well, that's, you know, that's who we've got, you know, right now, tentatively on board to draw the book. And I was like, you know, I was like, um, I, 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 I really I, I was about to lose my mind and, and I was just I, like I, I just gotta ask is, can you do that one more time just for clarity <laughs> sure I went <laughs> um, <laughs> and and so it was it, you know it sort of took off from there and it was it was interesting because um, you know then the, the the dialogue between you know myself and Sanford and Jake and, and Axel was was really involved initially in the beginning um, you know sort of making you know uh, his position as editor-in-chief kind of has him, you know, putting out many fires at all times and, you know, but he wanted to make sure that this book launched really well and 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 as did I, as did Sanford, as did everybody. Nobody ever wants a book to launch terribly. So I think I think that that sounds silly. Well, we really wanted the book to do well. <laughs> it's it's like, like that's a gimme, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, and, and so we just put a lot of time and energy into it and really took a lot of time crafting it and, and I think that um, what was really interesting was that I know that Axel Axel had read Shaft, which I'd written for Dynamite, and, and I'm pretty sure Jake had read it, and and it was clear that Axel had read it because he was he w- would talk to me about things that I had done in that series and and how I I told a story in general, and and I was you know my big concern was like why well, I hope they don't want me to redo Shaft. Um, I hope that they're they're cool with the fact that you know that that's that and this is this that Power Man Iron Fist is going to be its own thing and and they were but what was what I really appreciated about it and what I appreciate about it now and, and part of my relationship with Axel is um, that he and Jake as well both really get me as a writer and they get me as a storyteller they they're and they're starting to really understand my strengths and my weaknesses and and you know one of my my big weakness my biggest weakness is I'm terrible at outlining a story like my outlines look like crap and and that was the big problem they were having I think was like my power man iron fist um, outlines were like, I was I was giving it 100%, but I was like that kid who studies for a test and still gets a C plus. Um, mm-hmm. And they were like, I could tell they were starting to freak out. They were like, yeah, these these um, outlines 
are okay, but you know, and and I finally said, you know, look, let's just let me just write a script. And and they were like, we were getting down to the wire because it was you know the book it was was they they had when they wanted to launch it. Sanford had a time frame he had to draw it, and and they were like, okay. And and so I, I wrote the script, uh, I, I sent it in, and then I get a call from Axel, and and he was like, oh, I get it now. You just really suck at outlining. And uh, and 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 so I kind of laughed and I was like, oh, okay, yes, yeah, good, you get it. And and so Power Man and Iron Fist number one, which came out in February, um, that that first issue that that the readers read was what I turned in. There were there was no changes. There was I mean there was obviously my spelling is terrible and punctuation is bad, so there was fixes for that. But but it is what I turned in, and and you know I really am proud of that because um, it was it, it was so clear to the vision of what I wanted to do. Every issue that's come out has been really clear to the vision of what I uh, of what Sanford and I want to do and, and now with the guest artist Flaviano also boom I, I this is an amazing relationship and and obviously the name of your your podcast tells you it tells everybody that you love Marvel and oh, yeah. and 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 you know I can tell you as as a creator on this particular book like yeah this is if you love Marvel you are talking to someone who his childhood dream is has come true and it's and it's been a uh, an incredibly positive experience Awesome. Well, if Sanford came across within the last couple of months, I'm trying to remember, how long ago was it that we had him on? Was that a month ago? A month and a half ago? Uh, about a month and a half ago. If all of a sudden he started coming at you with Last Dragon references, <laughs> that's our, that was our fault. Is that it? Okay. Yeah. Sanford comes at me with the craziest stuff, and it's like... Um, you know, he's like, okay, here's who I want to draw. See if you can write them into the story. And then, and then he'll, then like two weeks later, he'll get the script and he'll be like, man, why do you got so much stuff in here for me to draw? I can't draw all this. And I'm like, you ask for it, you know? So, um, it's, it, but it is, it's, it's, it is, it's a, it's a really funny, um, it's a funny relationship and, it, and it's a good one. It's a good collaborative relationship. I really, a lot of times when you work in comics, there's almost no contact with, um, with the artist or sometimes the, the that contact is limited because you know they don't they either they don't speak English or or they don't speak English well. So you know you're going through a translator. Um, and and you know Sanford is the first creator that I've worked with on a on a big project where it's like not only are we emailing and texting but we're actually talking and and um and and really just sort of vibing off of each other. You know and and uh, and it's a great feeling and I and I think it I think it shows in the book and and it was. Um, you know, to give you a little example was like, um, you know, Civil War Two is is going, and our and our, the first our first tie-in issue comes out next week, and it was a really weird situation that had happened. Was um, when I saw when we when I signed on to do Power Man and Iron Fist early on, they told me they said, you know, right now Sanford is committed to do the first four issues, and then he's going to take two issues off, and then he's going to come back. And and they and when we were talking about it as a group, that was sort of the plan of how it was going to work. Sanford would draw four issues, take two issues off, do another four issues. So I said, well, if that's going to be the case, then I'm going to write for that. I, I want Sanford to draw. I don't want to, I, I don't want to do a six issue story and, and only have Sanford draw four issues and then have someone draw the other two. So we were talking about that. And so we'd done the first four issues. Um, issue five was written and and then Civil War II happened really fast. I mean, I don't, I don't think the readers know how quickly Civil War II came together. And it came together in a way that 
had a tremendous impact, was going to potentially have a tremendous impact on, on Power Man and Iron Fist because it meant Sanford was going to potentially be off the book um, for longer than two issues. We already, Flaviano had already started issue five. Um, we knew he was going to do issue six. And issue six originally wasn't going to be a Civil War II tie. It was going to be just a, bit, a similar, like, one-and-done sort of issue, self-contained story. And and it was like, no, we've got to start Civil War II with number six. Flaviano's going to draw it. And I was like, great, he's a wonderful artist. I was like, but I can't do Civil War II and not have Sanford be part of it. And so we worked everything out. And so issue seven, eight, and nine, which are the remaining issues of our Civil War, are, are drawn by both of them, by, by Sanford and Flaviano. And I wrote it with a very specific narrative style so that it would make sense to have two different artists drawing it, as opposed to that, the, the what I, uh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, so I won't say it. There's other publishers who will oftentimes have multiple artists working on a title and it's like they randomly assign them pages and it shows and it doesn't make sense to the story. And um, <laughs> I want to make sure I want to make sure that this made sense in the story. So so that's a long winded thing about uh, about my commitment to Sanford. And um, and I, I love him, man. I love him. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like the movie Brian song, except oh. this is terminally ill. Um, oh. Yeah. So. <laughs> OK, I got to ask this question then. In all sure. the, uh, the the crazy off the wall collaborations that that he brings to you and or you just discussed together, what's the one that you've made it into the books and it's kind of surprised you? It's kind of like I didn't know they let us in on that, or, <laughs> or that, that one has worked a whole lot better than we expected. You know, at this point, um, see, I can't tell you because there's a uh, no. Actually, I, I think there's did it show up in the previews? Um, yeah, in in Civil War, and so in issue number six, which comes actually, but Sanford didn't draw it, so it doesn't really it doesn't really count. Importantly, um, now Sanford was driving me crazy about drawing Misty Knight. He wanted to draw Misty Knight so bad, and um, and for a variety of reasons, like Misty Knight was was off the table, and okay. um, I, I managed to get her in like a flashback or two, and 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 spoiler alert, she is going to show up in in somewhere in our Civil War two tie, and so I was able to get Sanford his Misty Knight, um, whatever his weird hang up is with her. Uh, <laughs> now he's, it's it's like he, the movie play Misty for me, you know? Yeah, exactly. He he really wants, and I'd love to do it. I don't know when or where if it'll happen or not. Like he really wants Shang Chi to make an appearance. Um, yeah. and, oh, and I, he, and I, he, he mentioned that yeah. when he was when he was on yeah. the show. And, and I'd like to see Shang Chi make an appearance too. I I, I think there's a story our, our post Civil War two story, which I'm working on right now. I'm, I'm actually behind schedule on it, but that's going to be um, like that's just going to blow people's minds. It's as it's, it's, it's plain and simple as that. And we've got some characters that show up in that. Like they, people are going to know who's showing up in it really soon because it, it's um, I, I believe Marvel's going to drop some promo art for it during San Diego. Um, and I and I can't say, but it's like if if the return of Black Mariah um, like really got people going, and if the way we had Tombstone in that first arc really excited people, then then like that's the tip of the iceberg of where we're going. And and I will say that like um, you know a couple other minor spoiler alerts like Senor Magico turns up in our Civil War II tie-in and is going to play a big part in one of the upcoming story arcs. Awesome! <laughs> I, I love Senor Magico. I do. I'm just <laughs> yeah. He's he, 
it, it was, was um, <laughs> that was one of those interesting, not really a fight per se, but like they, you know, everyone at Marvel in editorial was like, you know, who is this guy? Why are you using him? He's, it, it was a character that I'd made up and they were like, you could easily have Doctor Strange or anyone else from the world of magic pull this off. And I was like, yeah, but what I want to do is I want to introduce a character, you know, who's like, who may or may not be better than everybody else, but for a whole host of reasons, like just never got that break, never got the opportunity to be the master of the mystic arts. And, and I was like, and I think there's a really fascinating story there. And, and it's like, let's just bring him in, in this issue. And if people like him, then we can move forward. And people loved it. And like, I, like I was surprised at how much people loved him. And then I was like, Oh, okay, this, this is great. This is really, um, but you know, part of what, what I try to bring to it and, and what Sanford tries to bring to it too. And we talk about this is like, there's all these things that we wanted to see specifically when we were kids growing up reading comics mm-hmm. and, 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 and everybody has it. I don't care who you are, what your background is. I don't care if, you know, if you're a black kid or if you're, you know, Latino kid or you're, um, or you're a girl or you're a boy or whatever, it doesn't matter. There's always something that you really wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing was, is like for myself and my cousins, you know, we grew up where, where these, you know, poor black kids paying 35 cents each for comics and reading them and, and they're getting all beat to hell and, and talking about the things we'd love to see. And then when I, I started talking to Sanford, I realized that he had a lot of those same experiences growing up and there was a lot of the same things that he wanted to see. And we, and, th- and that's sort of what started to inform the stories even more so and what got him really excited. And it was that notion that it was like, you know, it's possible to write and create stories that, that will really appeal to all the Marvel fans, but will also... Um, have an extra layer to it that will really resonate with fans who are like, you know, I've been waiting my whole life for this. And, and like, um, one of my best friends is, is from Puerto Rico. And, and when he saw Senor Magical, he was like, like, I know this guy, you know? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you, you really don't know him, but you do know him. And that was it. And it was just like this, this feeling of, of what I, I just talk about it as a feeling of inclusion, which, um, a lot of people take for granted. And then a lot of people don't really understand how important it is because um, because they, they haven't had to deal with that lack of inclusion. So, well, you know, so, one of the things... Um, go ahead. I was going to say, so since Marvel allowed you to create this character, um, how did it feel to go, I, I now got to create something and contribute something original to, to the Marvel Universe? It was, it was, well, it was awesome for a whole host of reasons. One is because it's the thing that you dream of doing as a kid, but it was also that, like, um, you know, there's some characters when I was, when I was working over at another publisher, we won't name them by name. Um, there's a couple characters that I created over there, but like they got watered down and changed so much in the process that I don't think that many people really appreciated what I was trying to do and what I was trying to bring to that particular universe, which, as it were, you know, was reborn shortly after I left. So, um, you know, the thing with, with Senor Magico and even with, with like Black Mariah, you know, in those first four issues was like, uh, uh, here's a character that that really hasn't been in that many books. She's in in you know for someone who's as as well known as she is, especially to older you know uh, Marvel fans, like she's only been in like five comics ever. And it was like Sanford and I sat down and talked about it. It was like let's do something with 
with her that no one's ever done. Let's really change her so that she's not as much that sort of embarrassment she was before. Um, and 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 go for it. And and like I'll, I'll give you another thing. And this is I'm probably giving away too spoilers here, but um, <laughs> like there's I, and I brought this up. I was like, if if any, I said I, I sent a, uh, an email months back, and I said, do you guys realize that like there's this a disproportionate number of black villains in the Marvel Universe who have their teeth filed into fangs, right? And they were like, well, what are you talking about? And I said, well, there's, you know, we'll start off with Tombstone. There's Tombstone. There's Cottonmouth Cornell. There's Piranha Jones. Um, there's Mr. Fish. And and depending on who draws them, there's Cockroach Hamilton. Sometimes it's tear fangs. Sometimes there's not. And everybody was like, well, you're kidding, right? And I was like, no, go go look. And, and, uh, and, and I said, so I need to explain why all these guys have their teeth filed into fangs. And it's going to become part of a story. And I hope everyone's cool with that. And, and everyone thought I was joking. And and I was like, but it's not a joke. Uh, so we're going to we're going to find out why um, so many black super criminals have their teeth filed into fangs. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, in, I, you know, when when it, when I was read, I was reading the um uh, the, that first four issue. Well, actually, I finished issue five of Power Man and Iron Fist. And, you know, when you introduce uh, Senior Magico, I'm like, and it was interesting because Doctor Strange is master of mystic arts. He has no idea about what's going on. And then there's Senior Magico, and he's like, ah, oh, Strange doesn't know what he's talking about. And it's almost like Street Level had its own has its own universe that, yeah. and, and I and I love that. <laughs> I did. I just, I loved it, and it wasn't that Magico was just making stuff up as he went along. It's like, you know, maybe this is a real deal, maybe it's not, but I'm not going to question it, yeah. <laughs> you know? And and that's that's exactly what, what Sanford and I wanted to go for, and it's something that we're going to play on uh, more as 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 we progress uh, further into this story because it, there, it, there is like, there's worlds within worlds, you know? And, right. And, and I think that it's, it, to me, it's, it's really fascinating. And so with Senior Magico and and, and the concept of street magic was, you know, you're not necessarily going to know everything. You know, it's like um, it's 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 like it's like being in high school, right? If you if you go to high school in a, in a in a fairly big city that has more than one high school, you've got that guy who's like the toughest, meanest, baddest guy in your high school. Everybody's like, you know, scared of him. All the girls love him, whatever, right? Right. But at high school on the other side of town, nobody knows who this person is, and and it's it's sort of the same in in just in America. You know, it's like there's stuff that's going on in the suburbs of America in predominantly white communities that they have understandings of that in that whereas there's stuff that's going on in the black community that nobody nobody in the white community talks about. And and I always talk about this like when I was a kid growing up. It was like um like every kid that I knew growing up, we all knew about KISS. We all knew who the four members of KISS were. You know, we knew the star child and all that sort of stuff. And and that was all the kids I grew up with, black or white, didn't matter, right? <laughs> right. But only the black kids that I grew up with knew all the members of Parliament Funkadelic. And if you had talked to any of the white kids I grew up with and said, hey, what do you know about 
Parliament Funkadelic, they would have been like, what? We, what is that? Um, and it's, 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 it's that sort of difference. It's the same thing like when I was, you know, in junior high listening to, um, you know, Curtis Blow and Rapper's Delight and that sort of stuff, early, early days of hip hop. And it was like, there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of white kids where I, I was living that, that knew about that stuff. Right. Um, and so I was taking some of those same principles and just applying them to the world of superheroes, to the world of comics. And, and, um, and I think that that, you know, has, has clearly struck some sort of responsive board with, with readers on multiple levels. And, and, mm-hmm. and I was always confident that it would, um, that it would resonate with all readers, that, yeah. that there would be people who'd be like, oh, wait, there's something I don't know about the Marvel Universe, as opposed to, um, and again, I, I'm not trying to bash any other publishers, right? But it's mm-hmm. like, like, how many times do we have to sit through another story that's just like, oh, there's something about the history of Gotham that Batman doesn't know? It's like, well, we, <laughs> yeah, okay. <there's> a, <laughs> like, like that, those sort of stories to me are completely uninteresting. Right. Um, and whereas I just feel like there's there's so many opportunities out there and there's so many characters that are like that really are kind of like Senor Magico that's like, yeah, there's there's some really interesting characters out there that are untapped. And that's what I just wanted, you know, more than anything, that's just what I wanted to play with. And and they've been really nice in letting me do that. And some craters up in the Oh, my uh, months, I might say. <laughs> night there. Uh, I, you know, uh, okay, and I, I want to ask this, uh, because I've been a fan of Pyramid and Fist for as long as you have, okay? okay. And, uh, and so, it's like from, and we, we know who they are, we know their personalities are, and, and we follow them through the 80s and 90s, and it, here we are now. And so now you have them, and Luke is the settled married guy, yep. and, and, and Danny is is the, I don't know, he's kind of the restless single guy. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, now, but you, you brought out a side of Danny that we haven't really seen. Uh, and it's kind of changed the dynamic, but I'm loving it. So how did that come about? Well, it came about primarily in just, there was two things. One was my desire to, to try to find uh, a new, um, sort of a new take on Danny because they were just coming off of that um, that series that uh, I'm, you know, I'm forgetting it's in car- is it Kari Andrews had done, I think. Um, no, weapons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and then Brubaker and Fraction had done their run. And and so Danny's had a fair amount of uh, solo spotlight over the last, you know, several years. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to try to take things in a slightly different direction. But then I also wanted to play with, like, this concept that I hadn't seen too much of, which was, um, you know, just sort of what it's like to grow up without necessarily real family in a sort of foreign environment Mm -hmm. and then go back into, you know, the quote unquote real world, the world that you would come from, I guess, for lack Mm -hmm. of a better term. And, and, um, and so I had this notion. It was really interesting. People don't, they, they, there's been some negative response to the way I've been portraying Danny, um, that he's a little too happy go lucky. He's a little too goofy. And I, and I keep telling people, you know, well, the thing is, is that sometimes a sense of humor and goofiness is, you know, the, is, is our weapon of choice and that underneath it all there's something much darker lurking mm-hmm. exactly. and 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 people are like oh so you're you're gonna like they're, they're assuming that the way Danny is and in, say issues one through four is where he's gonna be by say issue seven or eight and that's not the case and um, my biggest influence in in um, or I should say inspiration in Danny was um, was the character Lloyd Dobler John Cusack's character in Say Anything and 
okay. Which is, um, you know, one of my favorite movies from the 80s. And mm-hmm. and Cusack plays that character um, with what uh, I think he even describes it in the the audio commentary on the on the disc as as living a life of, of um, first optimism. And mm-hmm. so it's it's, you know, if you go back and watch the movie and I've watched it so many times, it's a fascinating study of a character because Lloyd is always optimistic. He's always like, you know, kind of smiling, but there's like this dark side to him. And it's mm-hmm. that side that like if you push him too far, he could, you know, break your neck or something because he's a kickboxer. And that's what I wanted to play with. I wanted to play with the fact that like Danny is like this really happy-go-lucky guy, but underneath it all, he's like incredibly messed up. You know, his, he's orphaned and he was raised to be a kung fu warrior. And and it's like, and we're going to see all this. We're going to see all this start coming through. But I was like, let's just play with this notion that this guy is like, he wants to be happy. And he's not. He's really not a happy person. So he's forcing himself to be happy. And I think that that's really a fascinating character study. I, I, I got, and, and, and I told I told um, Sam for this as well, as you know, and it's just my fixation with the series. I got this whole almost weird Murtaugh Riggs kind of thing going on. Because <laughs> like, cause it's almost like how Riggs was always kind of hanging out with Murtaugh's family. And yeah. that's like, that's where he's getting that sense of family from. Yeah. And so I was, that's almost like what I'm getting from Danny. But it, it's almost like I'm almost sitting there just waiting for the other part to come out because I'm like, you know, I know Danny isn't always this happy uh, and he's needing the team up a little too much. Yeah. But and, not and, in an unhealthy way, but yeah. Yeah, no, uh, we're going to, we're definitely going to show more of that. And and this is the interesting thing too, because like, yeah, the, I think the lethal weapon comparison is fair and, and, and I see it. And, and this is the thing that I tell people, like, you know, like Luke and Danny, they're not like brothers. Luke is is like Danny's stepfather. Luke is like, mm. Luke is the, um, and I made this decision really early on and, 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 and people are like, they freak out when I tell them this, like Luke is everybody's, I have this in my mind that Luke is everybody's favorite person in the Marvel universe. Like, like every superhero, if they could only have one person that would fight by their side, they would all pick Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. We're going to see, we're going to understand this as the story progresses. And that while Luke kind of thinks of Danny as a brother, Danny really secretly sees Luke as more of a father figure. And and I say stepfather more than father because, um, because I think a lot of people have grown up in those scenarios where um, they're stepfather was more of a father to him, but it wasn't their biological father. And, and right. there's a slightly different dynamic. The stepfather comes into your life a little bit later. And 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 the thing is, is like, I didn't do this, actually. This is all Bendis is doing. If you go back and read his stuff in Alias and you read, um, mm-hmm. you know, Luke's stuff in the New Avengers, he he did this. You know, mm-hmm. this is all his fault. And and it's interesting because, again, since I've known him for so long, um, part of it is that, like, you can see this 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 evolution of Luke into this sort of surrogate father figure as Brian was having his first kids. And, and that's it. And and I, 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 I'm, I pointed this out to him before and he just kind of poo-poos on it. But that's sort of what it comes down to. And um, yeah, and I just really wanted to to play with that and, and give that character um, 
some room to grow and 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 I want to give Danny some room to grow too so that he can get to a point where he's not um needing you know so much of that um father father approval you know that, that or big brother approval whatever it might be and and so we're just taking him there I mean what he's all orphaned at nine and then he spends 10 years training to be a kung fu warrior in a mystical land like yep. he's gonna have some problems you know he's gonna yeah. have some adjustment issues wow I'm gonna shut up now because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I could jump into other stuff and now I'm, I'm just gonna shut up for the moment <laughs> speaking of adjusting I, I like the way uh, now I'm unfortunately I'm I'm not quite like Kylan in that I haven't read every issue yet uh, that will change but I haven't got there yet I am liking the the way that Luke has kind of adjusted to being a dad and a husband and just yeah. just the whole kind of this man out on the street nobody's gonna mess with him he is yeah. the toughest mamba jamba out there <laughs> on the street he walks in that front door though yeah. and it's kind of like that he the um, Danielle has him wrapped around one finger and Jessica has him around the other yeah and it's just kind of like the he's so it's almost like he's totally out of his element yeah yeah and that part I'm just he's, he's outnumbered he knows it <laughs> but it's it, it brings a different side of him that you know like if you read 10 15 20 years ago you're not likely to see as much no no the the, the interesting thing about both Luke and Danny um, there's two really interesting things one with Luke is that he is in the history of, of you know Marvel Universe especially over we'll say the last 40 45 years his character was introduced a little over 40 years ago um, he, there's very few characters that have changed and evolved as much as as Luke Cage has it's plain and simple as that um, and and a huge part of that change really occurred um, under the the stewardship of, of Bendis um, and, and that's just that's just how it is and it just happened to be that Bendis was a guy who actually really loved that character as a kid growing up and always wanted to write him I, I think that, that Luke is probably um, in Brian's top three favorite Marvel characters um, Spider-Man being his first and and so there's that that aspect of it and but the other interesting thing is that in terms of superhero relationships and teams um, you know you look at like say the um, the Fantastic Four like when they first appeared in the Marvel Universe they, they appeared intact as a team um, and when you look at the Avengers all of the, the characters that were the Avengers continued to have their, their solo books so Captain America always had a solo book Iron Man always had a solo book but Power Man and Actress was, was one of the only two characters you know two of the few characters who started out with their own book and merged into this really unlikely duo and then move forward as a really unlikely duo. And so there's this relationship, especially for, for older fans or, or even younger fans who have gone back and read this stuff, that you really see like the evolution of this relationship. And it's a, it's an interesting dynamic to watch because I think that that's part of the reason why, especially older fans, connect with them so much because we all remember, you know, uh, Power Man, you know, Luke Cage Hero for Hire, number 48 and 49, right? Where he teams up with Iron Fist for the first time, and you're like, oh, this is a weird crossover. You know, you're like 10 years old reading it, thinking, this is weird. And then, all of a sudden, number 50, like, they, they're together. I was like, what is this? And I still just remember, you know, being at the newsstand as a kid and, like, freaking out. Like, it it, it was like getting chocolate in your peanut butter, you know? <laughs> it <didn't make> <laughs> but it did. So, that's, that's, 
part of the, the magic, I think, of those two characters. Now, with the TV series or the Netflix series coming um, for both Luke Cage and Iron Fist, uh, have you gotten any contact from the production teams nope. looking for for feedback? Not, not a thing, and and which is perfectly fine with me. I I am um, more than happy to not have to worry about any of that stuff. And 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 the reality is is that you know Sanford and I had I had already started writing stuff by the time Jessica Jones debuted. No, I was it November of last year. I had the first I had the first four issues in the can because I went like kind of crazy. Crazy and wrote really, really quickly. Um, I want to make sure that all four issues of, of what Sanford was going to draw was done and in the can and ready to rock and roll. So, um, you know, in, in that regard, by the time we started seeing um, Luke Cage on TV, you know, it was like we were already everything was established with, with what we were doing. And and the other thing is, is and, you know, I, I, I have every confidence that, that the show is going to be great. Um, but there's 40 something years of history for both of these characters and comics to draw from and some really great comics. I mean, I just went back like not a month ago and really just sat down and powered through that whole Ed Brubaker, Matt Fraction run. I'd read it all before when it had come out, but I hadn't read it since I'd started um, writing book. And, and I, I felt like I needed to, but I just never found the time. Um, and I did a week a weekend where I just binge read all of it. And it was like, there's so much amazing stuff here. And and it was like, and I was finding little bits and pieces of of, of Iron Fist mythology specifically that I was like, oh, this will be interesting to bring into into our series. And so, you know, fortunately, there's been no nothing that's come across our way at this point that's been, um, oh, you guys can't do this, you know. And 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 the reason why is because it's something that's going to be on the show. There hasn't been anything like that. Um, casually in passing, I know that the showrunner, the producer, uh, Cheo Coker, and and so we've been like just you know quick little messages back and forth, and and. I, I, hopefully I'll be seeing him in a couple of weeks at San Diego Comic-Con, but, but nothing specifically about the show. It's just like him and I have a lot of the same, you know, um, interest in terms of pop culture. Um, I'm looking forward to just watching the show as a fan, you know, and, and, you know, and, and maybe getting to meet Mike Coulter cause you know, he's pretty dreamy. So <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, like, damn, like, yeah, you're, it's, 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 it's a weird feeling one, you know, um, when as a straight guy, you look at another guy and you just go, damn. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I have it every time I see Dwayne Johnson. But um, but now Mike Coulter is, is in the running for being my, you know, um, my my number one man crush. So. so you think they did a good job casting him? Yeah, I thought he was great in <laughs> Jessica Jones. I loved I loved it. And 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 I think, you know, I've seen enough, you know, from from Jessica Jones and the, and the two seasons of, of Daredevil to feel really comfortable like yeah I, I have faith in them you know like, like I can't remember his name the guy they, they cast as Iron Fist and people were freaking out and I was like they haven't miscast anybody on the shows yet as far as I'm concerned you exactly. know the, other people might not be happy with it but I was like you know um, I, even with, with Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones I was like I was like oh you know I liked her on Breaking Bad is she, she going to be able to pull this off and, and then I watched you know the first episode and I was like 
like, oh, yep, they got it. You know, Paul Rudd is Ant-Man. Like, who would have thought? Yeah. Um, but well, it's perfect. Well, let me ask this question, uh, since we're, we're talking about casting. Um, I mean, for a while, there was a, a, a fan push, and even the the actor himself was pushing. Uh, Terry Crews is Luke, is Luke Cage. You know, uh, I, uh, I, I, I would have been happy with that, I think. Mm-hmm. But but you know what? Hey, Mike Coulter is just like on fire, you know? Yeah. And he's yeah. cuter. He's, he's more dreamy than Terry <laughs> Crews. So. Well, you know, the thing is, there's there's a certain attitude that comes with Luke Cage. Yep. And he was oozing it all, all over the Jessica Jones series. I'll have to, I'm like, yeah, if Luke Cage jumped off, uh, jumped off my comic page and was right in my TV, this is it. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Admit, I have to admit, because it was. Well, and, and, and he had the best line in Jessica Jones, and he didn't even speak it. <laughs> and that, and that, that's that text message. Got a new bed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he he was really um and I and I think the other thing too is that there's we talk about Luke Cage, there's there's sort of we were just talking about it a few minutes ago, the evolution of the character. And I think Terry Crews is more in line with how people think of him in his seventies persona, mm-hmm. um and seventies and eighties persona and, and and I love that character. Um but but I I really do love Luke as he is now and, and not mm-hmm. just, you know, obviously on the show he's not gonna be a dad or any of that sort of stuff but i i really do like um that he's that he's a little bit more serious you know um and and a little bit more um there's just something there's a there's a grit to him and, and i'm just excited like like september cannot get here soon enough for me you know yeah i'm like i'm hold up and i'm hold up for the weekend don't t- i'll record the show don't get me wrong but yeah. other than that don't talk to me i'm i'm binging yeah 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 now i'm like there's this part of me that's like hey maybe they'll send us episodes in advance but they're not going to do that like like (laughs) i i have to be you know honest with myself as to where i am on the 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 food chain um but it'll still just you know i'm just happy that the show's there and there was a moment you know again like i said by the time jessica jones had debuted we were already you know I think I think Sanford was probably drawing issue two by that point, so we were already well into it. But as a fan, I, I can't tell you the, the feeling that I had the, the moment I first saw Luke Cage, the, you know, and then the moment he, you know, like the barroom fight and stuff like that. It was like I never thought I was going to see that, you know, in in the top mm-hmm. ten things I never thought I was going to see on television. This was one of them, you know. Um, uh, and it's 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 interesting that that what some of the things that I never thought I was going to see are brought to us uh, in terms of, you know, television adaptations of material from comics, because there's stuff on The Walking Dead that I'm like, ah, I, I never thought I was going to see that on TV. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but uh, yeah, there was just the the, the inner 10-year-old in me uh, just like went completely, it had that same feeling when I found out Sanford was going to be working on the book, which was like this, you know, <laughs> it's like, um, it, it was, it, it's the same way I felt when I saw the first Avengers movie, which was like this feeling, you know, and I and I had it. I haven't had it with every single superhero movie. I certainly had it with, um, you know, the first X Men because that was like, you know, people forget that at that point this stuff was still really new, and right, and right. it was like, you know, we all went into it. Most of us went into it like, oh, let's see how bad they messed this up, you know. Um, and and you know, people have sort of retroactively gone back and poo pooed on Sam Raimi.
Raimi's first two Spider-Man movies, but uh, I, I think I, they still work. And I think Spider-Man two, you know, for me, the, 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 in the last 15, 20 years, you know, in terms of comic book movies, it was the first X-Men movie, the first two Spider-Man movies, and probably Iron Man and the Avengers of moments of like, I can't believe this. You know, like I, I love the first Captain, I, I love all three Captain America movies, mm-hmm. but there was well, actually Captain America three. There was quite a few. I, I can't believe I'm seeing this. Like, uh, who who would have thought this would have happened? But yeah, like the Avengers, like who would have thought? You know, I mean, right. like w- when the best we got was that Hulk TV movie with with Thor. You oh know? God! <laughs> you know, so I, I just it's 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 pretty incredible. But I'm also the same person. I'm one of those people who's like, I let the movies and the TV shows be themselves, and I let the comics be themselves. They're completely different mediums to me, and and I and I take them for what they are. I don't see them as being interconnected. I'm also not, you know, and some people get really bent out of shape by this. I'm not like, um, I'm not a huge continuity freak. I mean, there's there's moments where I think it really is important and needs to be adhered to, but it's all about great storytelling to me. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, um, you know, if the storytelling's great, I I can there's certain aspects of continuity I can I can overlook. You know, a this is fiction, and b this these this is, these are comic books. I mean, you know, this is this is the medium in which a character dies and then comes back to life 12 issues mm-hmm. later. You know, how many times has Jean Grey died and come back? And yeah. and and it was such a valuable lesson because when when they killed her back in the Dark Phoenix saga, was it 1980 or 81? Um, you know, I was really young and I was just shocked. Absolutely shocked. And, and then they brought her back and I was like really disappointed because I was like, well, the character's dead. She should stay dead. And then they did it again with Electra, right? And and I remember that issue, uh, Daredevil I was, I think, 181, where Bullseye kills Electra. I was devastated. I was reading it at like a 7-Eleven. And, and the only reason I picked it up was because it was like a double-sized issue. I, I, I was like, oh, this must be, it must be special because it's double-sized. And I, was, I read it standing there at the store, the 7-Eleven, and then was like, bought it and read it. And read it again and again. Couldn't believe it. I was so shocked by what I saw. And then they brought Electra back. And I was like, come on, you know, so that's one of the things that's always driven me crazy about comics. It's like, you know, if they're dead, let them stay dead. You know, like there's, there's, um, uh, and, and so I, I'm, I have all sorts of weird things. It's like, I would prefer a character stay dead. I am not that married to continuity. If it, if the continuity gets in the way of a really great story, it's like, you know, what's the point of us creating something? That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, you guys, I, I can I can sense you guys are going, he doesn't like continuity. <laughs> no, 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 no. Screw him. We're not going to read any more of his books. But, um, well, it's funny because in the, was it, um, RK, you did a you did uh, a collaborative story that was uh, Daredevil, Power Man, Iron Fist, uh, Deadpool. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Deadpool, uh, Deadpool number 13. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny because it actually makes, it marks that as what I believe issue four. 4.5. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm a little bit of a continuity guy. And so, although, like, if something happens, like, you know, to me, like, if it's Deadpool, that's a whole, that's his own universe. I don't yeah. need to know where that fits in. But they gave us a 4.5. So I'm like, okay, well, I have an idea where the story fits, but okay. <laughs> you know, well, for, for me, con- in the, in the comic books, it doesn't bother me as much. In, in movies and films, 
uh, movies and TV. If it's if it's something that it doesn't d- distract from the story itself, I'm okay with. But when you have like the most infamous one, the woman during the um, oral fixation scene, I guess we could say, where you know tie ties done, ties undone, shirts unbuttoned, there is no tie. Yeah. Uh, you, you, I mean stuff like that, and it's like okay, did people not pay attention to things when when this is being shot? I mean the story is good, but this is distracting enough that it's taking away from the story. Yeah, that's the that's the you know uh, script supervisor continuity person. Um, yeah, those are those are definitely that, that that's a whole other different ball game of um, I, I don't want to call it OCD. Um, it's because it's not it's not really OCD, but it's like I had the same thing when I was watching Batman versus Superman, and I was like, uh, wait a second, when did he take the time to change suits? Because like he was just beating the hell out of Superman in that super armor and now he's in a completely different outfit as he's flying the plane and you know and I start thinking did he actually stop to change his clothes did he have a change of clothes in the bat plane is he but that you know like and should that have been the thing that bothered me the most but those are the things that, that it was underwears yeah the thing is, is it takes us out it takes us out of the moment and in yeah. film it's 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 a if something takes you out of the moment in film um, that's a bad sign it's a bad sign on a lot of levels one is you know sometimes it's just there's no getting around it it's like oh yeah the um, suddenly the, the actor's wearing a different pair of shoes because just it was done in a reshoot and no one paid attention but um, yeah it's it's pretty frustrating to me I mean you know and there's there's all sorts of famous uh, continuity errors in, in film history um, um, the, the, the hope is that you're so caught up in whatever you're watching that you don't necessarily notice that you know oh Sean Connery is now wearing a different hairpiece in this scene, you know, so. Yeah, has something like this been something you've ever thought about parodying um, and getting Sanford to help you parody in, uh, like, Power Man and Iron Fist? No, because, you know, to be honest, like, the fans freak out too much if there's a mistake. It's like, there's 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 a couple of errors that um, got through, and I'm not even going to name the issue, um, that it was like, you know, it wasn't necessarily noticed on the first day that the issue came out, but by the second or third day, my inbox was full, and it was like, hey, look, you know, I gotta be honest, you guys should be thankful that every word is spelled properly, because, <laughs> because, because spell check does not work on my computer, and which means my editor did a really good job. Um, but the letters are good shit. Yeah, exactly. And well, you know, but that's the thing, like, because I've done lettering, uh, a little bit of lettering on the side, and it's like, a lot of times you just don't catch it because if you're if you're lettering in um say like Illustrator, which is what I use, Illustrator doesn't actually check the spelling. No. So no. you might be, you, you have your script, say, as a Word document, but all you're really doing is, is copying the text, flowing it into Illustrator, and, and not even really looking at the text itself. You're just looking to make sure the placement is proper, and, and you're assuming that what you got was was free of, um, of, of you know, whether it's spelling errors or punctuation or, or grammatical errors. You're making the assumption that that somebody else has already caught that and and if you if they didn't you know suddenly it's you're looking at your spelled y-o-u-r as opposed to apostrophe r-e and there's some there's somebody's going to catch it and then you're going to get that email that says you idiot you didn't 
use the proper spelling of your, and you used a semicolon when it should have been an, you know, an M dash. And it's like, oh boy. I mean, you'd be amazed at the things that drive people crazy. So, um, I, I have a question. Um, okay, so Nighthawk. Yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> you mean how did we get away with what we're getting away with in in the book? Yes. I, I'm like, yeah. I mean, cause you know, I'm sitting there and I read the first issue and I was floored and I'm my, my jaws on the floor and I'm like, wow. And then I, I just I fin I just finished uh, issue two earlier yeah. this week and it was almost like somebody reached out of the book, slapped me across the face, and I'm just like. I'm not, I, I, you know, I know Marvel doesn't shy away from what's going on in the real world. Yeah. Uh, so how, how did that happen? <laughs> it's a, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I've had a couple conversations with some other editors recently, uh, discussing some potential new projects and every editor keeps asking me the same question. Everyone, people at Marvel are asking me that question. Um, you know, a lot of it was honestly, a lot of it was, was me pushing for a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And 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 it was honestly it was Axel backing me up and and a lot of conversations between myself and Axel and myself Katie Kubert who's the editor on it um, and 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 me just you know and and I, I said at one point I said you know if there's if there's going to be heat from the book I'll take the heat I said I would rather do something that was really hard hitting and 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 resonated with people and and maybe shook them up a little bit than something that people were just like yeah whatever you know even if even if it was something that infuriated people. I, I wanted them to feel something as opposed to ambivalence because, you know, you, you're asking the the, um, the reader to, to plunk down $3.99, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more if their sales tax, maybe a little bit less if their store gives them a discount because they pre-ordered, but, but still essentially $4. And, and I was like, I, I felt like I had something to say and 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 I wanted to get it across and and to be honest I think that a lot of times comics try to say something and you know and for whatever reason it um it gets watered down you know whether it's an editorial decision or a higher up decision up the up the corporate food chain you know especially because we are we're talking about corporately owned properties here and and I think that there was um you know for whatever reason they they got behind it. And and Axel, you know, went to bat for it, and and for that, I'm a, I'm eternally grateful. Mm-hmm. And him and I just had a phone conversation the other day about um, issue six, which is you know where this with this where the story arc ends, and you know really talking about um, the choices that I had made, and and he had some really valid questions, and and Katie had some valid concerns, and and I was you know I was on the fence, and 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 they were both you know on sort of different ends of the spectrum of where where I was taking the story and what I was trying to say and you know and I sat down and looked at it and and sort of looked at it in the light of you know the issues that are done and in the can um, and issue six is about to be drawn right now so it's we're, we're sort of under a time crunch you know people don't realize that that like issue two just came out but issue six is about to be drawn starting Monday you know and um, and I and I and I just sort of and, and during the course of this week so many really horrifically tragic things have happened um, around uh, race and racial violence and, and police brutality and then violence against the police.
police and all this stuff. And, and I was like, you know, um, the context of, of things that I've written has, hasn't necessarily changed, but the, 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 the uh, relevance of them has changed, I think, in it just really in the last 72 hours. Um, and so I was just sort of looking at, at that and, and, and I'm rethinking how to end this story arc, how to, um, where I need to take that character, where he needs to go. So it's a very interesting experience. Well, you know, I, cause I, I read, I read issue two on two, two nights ago. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I read issue two, two nights ago and then, well, we know what's been happening. Yeah. And, and, and it was, and you know, the thing is, you know, I know that there, I mean, this, this book was written months in advance. I yeah. know that, uh, but it, it was, it was it difficult. Was, it's difficult. Yeah. Let me, let me tell you, there's, um, you know, Power Man Iron Fist number six comes out next week. And last night on Twitter, like people started hitting me up because the, the previews were out, you know, Comic Vine and a couple other websites had the previews and they were like, you know, oh my God, this is what's going on in the world right now. And I was like, no, it's really not. But then I looked at like one page in particular and I was like, yeah, this page is going on in the world right now. And it's, 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 you know, the, the a sequence where Luke and Danny and Jessica are, are watching the news and we don't necessarily show what's happening on this particular page. I think it's page one. Um, but it's just another tragedy. It's, just, it's, you know, they're essentially watching the news broadcast of, of what set off Civil War to um, stuff that we've already seen at this point in the, mm-hmm. the first two issues. Um, but it, it's really, they're watching insert whatever travesty, whatever horror, whatever um, thing that, that shocks us. It's whatever, um, you know, uh, massive gun massacres just happen or whatever instance of police brutality or whatever instance of sexual violence. And, and, and I didn't realize when I was writing it that it was going to have so much poignancy and relevance in the moment, in the now. And it's the same thing with Nighthawk number two. It was like, like you said, I mean, I, I wrote Nighthawk number two last year. I mean, you know, it's, it, it came out in, uh, what, June, right? Uh, and I, I probably, I probably wrote it in November or December. So what does that tell you? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it tells us that the world is kind of a scary place and, and that it's, and, and that, um, that's something that, that in reality is, is over six months old can have that much relevance in the moment is really, you know, not to be a downer. We'll switch subjects in a second, but it's kind of depressing, you know? Well, you know, to go from, uh, to, to go from, and I did this in one night, I went from, uh, Power Man Iron Fist 5 to, uh, Nighthawk number two. <laughs> he, he should have gone. He should have gone in the other direction. He should have started. I, I, and I'm sitting there like, wow. <laughs> you know, it was. Uh, it, you know, it, it was. I don't know. I I, I just have to say uh, that you know I and the, I, I think of all the questions that was going in my head, and you know my brain's going a hundred directions at once. But I, I knew I wanted to ask you how. You know, for because you know, and I'll be honest with you, I remember when Nighthawk One came out. And one of the websites or something somewhere basically just said it was Marvel's version of Batman. And I'm like, so I remember looking at it and I was like, uh, and I'm like, oh, I'll give it a shot. You know, <laughs> you know, just for just for the fact that I, you know, I, I kind of wanted to try something new and different. And I wasn't very familiar with the character of Nighthawk. So my expectation before I opened it and what I got by the time I read the last panel were two completely. 
completely different things. And, and that, that was a good thing. You know, I, I'm not complaining at all. And then I, I didn't know what to expect from issue two. And, and now I'm just sitting there like, oh, okay, so I, where is this going to go? Especially with what's going on within the story. And in relation to almost what I'm seeing on TV. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and that was my thing, too, was like, I, I, obviously, you know, the comparisons to Batman are there. Uh, the comparison, the same thing with Squadron Supreme and Hyperion. And and I was like, you know, I don't want to write a Batman story. If I wanted to write mm-hmm. a Batman story, I would have pitched a Batman story when I was still at DC. And 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 then there's reasons why I don't want to write a Batman story. And one of them was because I could never do with Batman what I, what I could do with Nighthawk. And and, and that was one of the first things we talked about was they were like, um, you know, they said, we, we want this book to be, we want you to push the limits. We want you to go as far as you can possibly go. And I was like, okay, sure. You know, and as some of the earlier outlines, I was like, you know, not, I wasn't going far enough. And, and Axel got me on the phone and, and we had this long talk and you know, he talks really fast. Axel was like, talks so fast. It's almost like you, you have to mentally slow it down. <laughs> and, and, but as I was talking to him, I, I realized. Oh wait a second! You know, this was a guy who was was an editor over at Vertigo when Vertigo was was at its best, and and I get what he's saying now, and 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 um and so I was like, I went back and I was like, okay, so um. You know, I felt like if you're going to show a character who's really extreme, like, let's show a character who's so extreme that even the Punisher would look at him and go, whoa, whoa, dude, what are you doing? You know? Uh, <laughs> okay, wait a second. You, like, did you have to blow up everybody in the warehouse? I think there was one innocent guy in there. You know, and, and whereas Nighthawk was like, yeah, he, he was innocent today, but, you know, at some point he would have done something wrong. And and I was like, let's, you know, I really was like, let's make him more like the Punisher than like <laughs> Batman. And, and, and and, and and I happen to think that the Punisher is a fascinating character who is more often than not not written as well as he could be written. I, I think mm-hmm. the same thing about Batman. And I think that you know pro- part of the problem with Batman is he's you know he's been around for what like three hundred years or something. It's like forever. <laughs> and you know and they're telling the same stories over and over again. And it's like at some point you you want to go someplace. You want to do something different. And I think that the opportunity to go someplace different with Nighthawk was there because he's not as well established, especially this particular iteration of the character. But also it was like, I wanted to explore like, you know, okay, Frank Castle became the Punisher for a reason. Bruce Wayne became Batman for a reason. And and their, their reasons, they both had the exact same reason. Their families were murdered by criminals, right? And it's like, um, and that obsession drives them, but it's like, you know, it's it's if we don't lean into what's driving them the right way, they, they sort of just become these weird automatons to me. And 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 it's like um, and I didn't want that with with Nighthawk. I wanted him to, to be a little bit more tortured and, you know, and, and and honestly, I also looked at Daredevil at some of the best Daredevil stories, because those were also about a guy who was torn. You know, there's torment, you know, um, stories like uh, it was is it born again. Right. That's the um, the, the Miller Mazzuccelli story. Right. I think mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. 
I, I mean, like, there's a character with some some incredible com- complexity, you know, and 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 that's what I love. I love that complexity, and I wanted to bring that to a character, and and specifically to a black character, because to be honest, there's not that much complexity with black characters in in the in the world of comics, especially in the world of, of superhero corporate superhero comics, and and I think that that's what's catching people off guard. Is like, oh, hey, what's going on here? It's like, well, there's a new sheriff in town. And this is what I'm going to do with these guys. So, well, no, do no. you think that you would ever want to do a, a storyline for Punisher or Daredevil, for that matter? Uh yeah. You know, I'm there's there's I'm not um, there, there's 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 definitely Marvel characters that I find for one reason or another I'm not that interested in writing them. I'm not going to say what they are because a people would freak out. Why wouldn't you want to write that character? And because you never know, hey, they might offer me a job and I can always take the money. But um, but Punisher, Punisher and Daredevil are two characters that I, I wouldn't mind playing with. I, I, I haven't like given like specific thought to um, what I would do with them yet. But I think there's some really interesting stories there. I like, you know, some of the I, I have an idea for a Punisher story without getting into the specifics. Um, I always like those ones where there's like, is there a new Punisher in town? There's been a couple storylines where there was, um, you know, there was a there's two different female Punishers. I kind of like the concept of of, um, of passing the torch to somebody else, at least for a little while, um, and and exploring why somebody else, for their own reasons, becomes you know becomes a Punisher. I, I think that that's one of those characters that, that you could actually do. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be Frank Castle. I mean, Frank Castle is a great character. I really think he is. But um, I could think of of ways to not reinvent Frank Castle, but to to sort of reinvent the Punisher as as a as a concept that I think would be really fascinating to play with. Well, I think we're going to change it up slightly okay. uh, as we're starting to almost come to a close or tail end of the show. Okay. So it is that time of the show that most listeners hopefully enjoy, and that is... That's the picks of the week. So before we get into our picks of the week, what what titles from Marvel um, are on your like? What, what's your top three? You must read from Marvel, or your month is not complete. Right now, my top uh, there's well there's 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 two really that I have to read. Um, one is Doctor Strange, uh, Jason Aaron's run on Doctor Strange, a character that I've been usually ambivalent to at best. But man, he's just been killing it. And so I absolutely love that book right now. Um, and then the other is uh, it's Spider-Man. And it's it's uh, the Miles Morales. Bendis is Spider-Man. I know that he's a good friend of mine, so maybe that's a cheat. But um, <laughs> the, I have been reading Ultimate Spider-Man and then Miles Morales Spider-Man regularly, with more regularity than, than any other Marvel book in the last 15 years. I, just, I absolutely love it. Um, so those are the two. Everything else sort of, you know, I, I, I am reading Civil War right now for obvious reasons, because it's, it's you know, I, I need to be caught up with what's going on, but I'm actually really, really enjoying it. Um, and there's there's some other stuff that I'm, you know, I never thought I would, you know, like, 
like honestly I was one of those people who was like you know well why would why would I read Scroll Girl you know and then I read it and I was like oh this is fun because it's not like anything else that's out there right now you know this is something different and um, yeah, it was the Norse Squirrel God that, that hooked you in wasn't it <laughs> yeah yeah you know it's just like um, it's a book that reminds me that, that comics can be fun and um, and I feel like right now I'm I'm behind um, you know I, I get a fair number of PDFs and so I can read just about anything it's just a question of do I have the time to read it but like the, the other day uh, Kingpin number one came out and I was like like oh I'm buying that like I want to actually hold that in my hands in the most nerdlinger way you can and um, even though I'd gotten the PDF from Marvel it was like yeah I, I, I want I, I, I just I have to I have to hold the Kingpin so cool well I think I'm going to start us off this week. Um, my first pick of the week, and of course this will be for New Comic Book Day, uh, July 13th. Um, my first pick is Gwenpool number four. Um, the the pre the the write up for it is Modok is on Gwen's. It, my eyes are going blurry on me. Uh, Modok is on to Gwen's totally powerless, skillless nature. Can she escape his wrath with no powers or skills to speak of? I wouldn't think so, but she is on. Unbelievable. Again, this is just one of those titles. I remember reading uh, the three different backstories of, of Gwenpool, and I just fell in love with the character. You know, here's a character who, from our realm, gets sucked into a comic book and now lives in a comic book realm. Um, and she's trying to survive the best she can. So I, 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 I've been digging the, the, uh, the books and, and the tie-ins well, that they have with I, I, yeah, I, Go ahead, Kyle. Uh, well, my number one is a number two. Two, uh, Civil War number Civil War two choosing sides number two. Uh, uh, the writers are Declan Shelby, uh, Jeremy Whitley, and Brandon Thomas, and the uh, art is by Declan Shelby, Marco Rudy, and Marguerite Savage. Uh, a major loss sends shockwaves through the superhero community, forcing everyone to re-examine their alliances. Did they choose the right side? Featuring Nick Fury, War Machine, Tom Foster, aka Goliath. Okay. Eric, your first pick of the week. My first pick of the week is also a number two. It's Civil War II, Gods of War number two, written by Dan Abnett and art by Emilio Lizo. Uh, a new Civil War is ripping through the Marvel Universe, but Hercules has got problems of his own. There's a threat that only he knows about, and all the heroes he knows are too busy to lend a hand. Time to get out his address book and call him some much older friends. Ancient heroes of myth who will come to his aid, including introducing the mighty mythological gods of war. I like I like Hercules as a character, and I also love the idea of all these different gods from different pantheons just showing up, and of course, most of them can't stand each other. <laughs> so, what what could possibly go wrong? And, and in the, 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 I promise you, I chose this book, it, what pretty much cemented it, was one of the preview pages where Theseus and Baal Wolf are standing next to each other, and Theseus just looks at him and says, God, you smell like a swamp. Are you living with Grendel these days? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm sold. So I'm going to turn to David real quick and ask, okay. how would you grade our first picks? You know, this is really interesting because... <clears throat> 
I'm going to admit a couple things here. I have not read Gwenpool yet. It's um, I have a pile of stuff to be read, and then again, a bunch of PDFs to be read, and it's in that to be read pile. I've heard so many good things about it. I just haven't had a chance to. Um, Choosing Sides is, I got the first issue, and I loved it. I love those sort of books. I love those sort of um, anthology short stories, sometimes where something's continued on for a few issues, uh, other times where stories just, uh, you know, in and out really quick. Brandon Thomas is a good friend of mine, so I've, I'm really looking forward to choosing sides number two. And I and I have the PDF of it, but I'm actually waiting to actually buy it because I'm kind of nerdy that way. And then um, the was it the Gods of War or whatever that title is? Up until just now, wasn't even on my radar. To be honest with you, it was like um, you know Hercules has always been someone that I've been sort of like yeah I liked him back in the '70s when he was in the Champions. That was about it, you know. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, like, just the description that you read was enough for me to go, yeah, I think I'll check this one out, too. You know, eventually I get around. I have insomnia. So eventually I get around to reading everything that I have. Um, but, you know, you get like today, I think I got something like 15 PDFs of, of stuff that's coming out that either came out last week or is getting ready to come out. And it's like, you know, you, you it sounds like the coolest thing in the world until you're like, oh, God, I got I have more of these PDFs to read. And uh, and, and but it does come in handy when you can't sleep at night so um and that's when i i tend to get caught up on stuff but i'm 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 about uh a week and a half behind because um because there's a top secret project i'm working on that i can't talk about and so i've been putting all of my energy into that so <laughs> well see right there we get the instant gratification that we have converted someone to actually pick up a title that they might have picked up yes which is cool i mean that's the thing i'm constantly asking people for you know what do you like what what's what's interesting out there because you know Otherwise, and that's the thing. Comics are expensive, you know. So it's it's yeah. there comes down to the stuff that like, oh well. If I and now that I'm getting some of these things for free, it's like there's no reason to not read them other than just you know I'm lazy or I'm, I haven't had the time yet. Well, I mean we're we're the same way. I mean we we each have you know specific directions we go with our pull list, um, but with our picks of the week, you know these are these are the books that are coming out on that upcoming new comic book day that we find appealing. That if we we're really jonesing to pick up a book that's not in our pull list. What are we going to pick up? Yeah. So, um, well, I guess on to round two. And my second pick is New Avengers 13. Uh, it's written by Al Ewing, uh, art by Paco Medina and, and Juan Flasco. As Civil War 2 heats up, the maker reveals his master plan for the Marvel Universe. And with aim and hiding from the forces of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's time for the new Revengers to strike. Plus, what's wrong with Dum Dum? Duggan and what's Songbird going to do about it? Dum Dum was one of the key things because you guys know how I love the Howling Commandos. And, oh yeah, and I'm still I'm still struggling with the newer Howling Commandos because to me it almost feels more Monster Squad than. Oh, you're just saying that because it's true. Well, it is true, um, <laughs> but give me something with a member of the Howling Commandos and I'll take it any day of the week. <laughs> So, that's my second pick, Kylan. Okay, uh, my second pick is yes. the Civil War II tie-in. It's Pyre Man and Iron Fist, number six. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, oh, okay, the story I, I is by surprised. David. Oh, he'd have picked it even if he wasn't here. <laughs> yeah, I would have. Yeah, I, I, I let them know. I said, Pyre Man and Iron Fist is mine no matter what. So, <laughs> we know not to pick that one. Yes. Because he's going to beat us to death with a wet noodle if he, if, if we do. And I will okay. whine. 
the, the last the last time we we were threatened to actually we have a recording uh, we, we we had to we had to EQ it a little bit um, but this is from the last time we thought about picking Power Man and Iron Fist. Oh my goodness, what you do? I've been authorized by Director Fury to use any means necessary to keep you on premises. If you attempt to leave right. or play any games, I will tase you and watch Super Nanny while you drool into the carpet. Okay. Now, don't deny you wouldn't have done that. <laughs> I think Kylan froze up. We broke Kylan so bad he froze up. <laughs> oh, goodness, no. <sighs> okay. Okay. Um, so now, and art is by Flavio Armentaro. Did I do that right? I, I think it's Flaviano. I think it's Flaviano, but I'm not sure. It is, it is Flaviano. Thank you. Okay. okay. And uh, the cover is by Sanford Green. Okay, so uh, they're off on a job and it's ridiculous. Predicted to end with Luke Cage back in the place he hates most. The Marvel Universe is split in two. Will the conflict split up Power Man and Iron Fist? See, you know, I you kind of talked about some stuff going on in issue six. So I, I'll i just wait for the story to unfold. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eric, your second pick. Okay, my second pick of the week is Rocket Raccoon and Groot number seven. Story by Nick Coker and art by Michael Walsh. Putting the fun back in funeral. I'm sorry, you found that poor in taste? Well, maybe we're using humor to avoid facing our grief over the death of Rocket Raccoon's mentor in con artistry. Now, who's insensitive now? Did you even know Rocket had a confidence man mentor? Look, let's start over and try to be more understanding. It's a new era for Guardians of the Galaxy's most non-humanoid characters, and we're kicking it off with the story by Nick Coker of comedy duo Britannic. So, of course, it's going to die Hilarious. We're just going to miss the character and all new insight into Rocket's mysterious past so much. I am pretty much going to pick Rocket Raccoon and Groot because they remind me of a of a perfectly good mashup between Calvin and Hobbes and Han Solo and Chewbacca. Just because that. there's it's, it's they're they're the buddies that you can't understand one of them, but you know exactly what he's saying, right? And just the, like the whole the whole preview of the the battle that's going on outside their ship, but the phone's ringing, and so they're taking turns going back to answering it, and it's just it, it's got that comedic edge to it that yes it's action yes it's got story yes it's got pathos but you're laughing the whole time you're reading it <laughs> yeah yeah that's true so back to our judge for for the scores <laughs> in the second round <laughs> Oh, well, I feel like I need to recuse myself or something because, you know, one of those is like, I'm like, yeah, you can't go wrong with it. Oh, okay, um, which which one is the second best pick of the week then? We'll put it that way. <laughs> okay, so they were they were uh, Rocket Raccoon and Groot, and what was the other one again? Remind me of the other one? New Avengers. New Avengers, okay. Um, wow, you know, that's actually a really tough pick because um, I'm not familiar with Coker's work, and, and I am I correct in that? That this is he's just coming on board with Groot and Rocket Raccoon. I always screw up the title. Um, or has he been writing it since the get-go? Uh, I think he's just now coming into it. Okay, so um, I think that that in and of itself is intriguing to me. Um, but I, I'm actually a fan of Ewing's work, and so a New Avengers is is one of those ones that I won't necessarily read it every month, but I'll some I'll wait like two or three months and then read two or three at a time. So I'm I'm you know. 
I'm gonna I would have to go with the new Avengers just for the, just out of a sense of loyalty. But you know, um, Groot and Groot and Rocket Raccoon or Rocket Raccoon and Groot. I I always the same with I always get the order confused. Um, <laughs> it's a fun book, and I and there's nothing better than that. Um, I think at this point in my life, if something makes me laugh out loud, it's done a really good job because usually I'm I'm just sobbing in the corner. Um, so it's it's a close it's a, it's a close second, but I'm still going to go with New Avengers because at some point I, I'm going to want to know what's going on in that book. That's just how I am. So well, we we do, especially I do, have a history of picking absurd books. Uh, yeah, I, I am one who uh, will pick Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. I was the one who picked all five issues of the all new Dupe story arc. That <laughs> that many. Um, Howard the Duck is on my list. Um, or some of the other absurd ones I've picked. Uh, and these are all good choices, too. I mean, Howard the Duck, Chip is doing a great job on that book. Yeah. Um, I've been trying to convince Marvel to let me do a, a mini series. I want to do um, Howard the Duck and Blade. I want to do a oh, team And um, they, they, they were kind enough. That was my short story in uh, Secret Wars Battle World was um, Howard the Duck and Blade. And, and I keep telling them, like, just give me a good old-fashioned four-issue tr- uh, miniseries. You know, let's. everyone says, oh, miniseries don't sell that well. And I'm like, I don't want to do an ongoing thing. I don't want to step on Chip's toes and, and, and come in and do a Howard the Duck, you know, book. I want to be straight up Blade and Howard the Duck. Um, and key, 70s Blade, where he's got the overcoat and the goggles on, because that's just, that's the way it has to be. <laughs> yeah. you, gotta, you gotta do the 70s Howard then, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Most definitely. So we'll see if if one of these days they might they might let me do it. And then again, they might not, and that's fine. Well, I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm having enough fun. I think you got three buyers right here. Happens, yeah, so. yeah. Because I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to see how that. I, I can see it in my mind starting already, and it's kind of like this is too awesome not to pass up. I mean, yeah, yeah. We'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll be seeing some of the editors uh, fairly soon, if not at San Diego Comic Con, then in the fall in New York. At which point, I just may do a lot of begging and say, "Please let me do this." So Get, we'll see. You, you can tell them you've got the backing of mighty Marvel geeks on this. Okay, exactly. And that, and that this guy help. With anything. You won't believe. It'll sell them. They'll be like, oh, well, in that case. (laughs) You won't believe the amount of political clout that's going to give you. Yeah. Um, Well, well, Bendis said that he would love to do the show. That should count for something. (laughs) We just got to get him on the show. We just got to get him on the show. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, nailing that guy down to anything is like, um, yeah, he's. uh, Don't get me started. Don't get me started. (laughs) Would it help if I I told him I was from Cleveland? Would that count for. I I think I'd probably be pointing against you, to be honest with you. I'm not uh, sure, but... Uh, I, I won't you, mention that then, so never You could give it a... Sh- you could, you could, you could, you could, like, go for the sympathy card, maybe that way, so... <laughs> I, actually, what we do is we tell, we tell them, you know, David Walker did the show. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, yeah. See? 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 Yeah, there you go. That, that may actually work, so... Well, we're going to move on to the final round of picks. Um, my last pick is is uh, written by Mark Guggenheim, uh, written by German Peralta, and it's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. number 7. Uh, it's a Civil War 2 tie-in as well. Uh, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.
shield are that are thrust into the middle of a war between heroes and nothing will ever be the same for shield um, or for our beloved team. Uh, this arc will have lasting ramifications for Coulson and his intrepid agents. And just to be clear, that's not us three agents because we're the intrepid trio. They said, right. intrepid, they said intrepid agents. So it's the yeah, other team. So yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've, I've been digging the agents of shield uh, yeah. book. I mean, it, it's <laughs> fun. It's, it's not the TV series. It's no. on its own. Just happens to use characters from the series. And, and I've been digging it. Mm-hmm. So Kylan, you're number two pick or your final pick. My, my final pick is a uh, daredevil number nine. Uh, story is by Charles Soule. Uh, art is by Goran Suzuka and uh, the covers by Giuseppe Kamukoli, Danielle Orlandini and Raza. It just says Raza, I swear. Okay, now, <laughs> now and this this is what the intern wrote with each with a progressive exclamation points. Hong Kong, Hustlers, Spider-Man, and that's it. See, and I just want to come out with, you said Hong Kong, I want to go fooey. I know. Hustlers, <laughs> you, I want to say magazine. Spider-Man, I want to say bad 70s TV show. I was waiting for you to play the theme. <laughs> oh, you, you really yeah, want me to go there? Well, we all need some Waka Chicka Waka Chicka in the, yeah, you in the R.E.V. Yeah. <laughs> to go grab my polyester suit. Excuse me. <laughs> Dude, I couldn't even fit into my old polyester suit. I'm telling you. I'm trying to grow an afro right now. <laughs> so oh, my gosh. Now I'm sure David's worried about what else do we have on the soundboard? <laughs> I and you should flashbacks, be flashbacks to that show. It's like ah, oh. mm. Luke, Luke Wanna... Cage just put his t- tiara back on. So, yeah. <laughs> well, oh, just I, kidding. I could go even. I could go even better. Uh, we all know the original Spider-Man cartoon theme, but mm-hmm. there's this version. <laughs> The where the French version? <laughs> man, you should put that with a dubstep back backbeat. That'd be awesome. Uh, man, <laughs> where in the name of Ponce de Leon did you get that? There, there is actually a Spider-Man soundtrack that's got all the music from the 60s animated series. Really? It scares me that you know this. I was, wait, I was waiting for you to say it, I know a guy. No, wait. Is it, is it scary that I know this or is it scary that I own this? You really need us to answer that question? <laughs> did, did you buy it off the black market? That's what I want to know. Or the dark web or I, I don't remember how I found it, but I found it. <laughs> he met a guy. He met a guy. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I, we, I didn't know such. Oh, no. We know who that guy was. <laughs> but I'm going to be nice. Okay. My MB? What? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Eric, your final pick. Okay, my final pick is, is not getting us any more serious because it's Deadpool number 15, uh, written by Jerry Duggan and art by Mike Hawthorne and Terry Pallett. Uh 
Civil War II tie-in. The Mercs for Money hate Deadpool and want out. Wait, isn't there a new Mercs for Money series launching? How's that going to work? Plus, in Deadpool number 16, we finally find out how Deadpool became so popular. What? (laughs) Don't you just love a preview that previews the preview? Oh, okay then. That's yeah. It, go figure. But yeah, that's. Uh, I loved. I like Deadpool, and I, I'm kind of halfway ashamed to admit that my son, my pre-teenage son, is the one that turned me on to Deadpool in the comics, and just because he reminds me of Lobo from over at DC. Mm-hmm. And I think I've said this before here here on the show, but he's kind of like they don't take themselves seriously. Mm-hmm. It, it's as much parody of superheroes that take themselves too seriously as it is anything else. Right. Right. And it continually breaks the fourth wall and and just it, again, nothing is sacred and even less is safe. And I think that's what that's what uh, attracted my wife to Deadpool because she loved Lobo. She was reading Lobo when she was a teen. And I thought knowing this woman that and I've been married to her forever, I was like I couldn't see her. I mean, she hates toilet humor. She hates stuff like um, uh, the the the, what's Three the hangover. Three uh, Stooges. She hates the hangover, but she loves Deadpool. I, and I'm just like, okay. And she and she said it reminds her of Lobo. And I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> so, David, your thoughts on our final picks of the week? Ah, that's a. This is a very eclectic mix. Uh, so let's see. There's Daredevil, Agents of Shield, and Deadpool. Correct. Correct. Right. Um, I'm impressed that you remembered all that through <laughs> our tangent attack. <laughs> <sighs> um, it was the only thing that has been said to me all day that I actually remembered. So it was a, it was a concentrated effort. Um, wow, that's a, like that's that's such an eclectic mix. I'm gonna go with. Uh, let me go with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And and the only reason I'll give you is um, that there's it's, it's it's on my very immediate, I, I just got the the, um, the issue you're talking about, it was sent to me in advance. Immediately I need to read it as in before the weekend's up, because I, I, I think that it actually may tie into some stuff that I am doing with my Civil War 2 tie-in. So um, so I'm curious to see what, what certain characters might be in that issue, because I... I um, because like working for Marvel is like working for like the CIA. They they don't actually tell you anything, and and then it's just like you find you either find out when you really messed up, or um or you just find out by surprise. And so it's it's uh it's always it's always fun. But um following loosely following what's been going on, Agents of Shield. There's a couple characters in there that um that have been playing into it that I think I I just had a little bit of fun with. So we'll see. But that would be that. Would be my top one, but all all three are, are interesting. I like what Charles has been doing with Daredevil, and um and with and and Jerry is just a fun writer. Um, you know, yeah. just did a collaboration with him, and that was great. He's a great guy. So um, yeah, and actually Charles was part of that collaboration too. So worked with both of them recently, and it was really it was it was really fun. And that also begins to you know influence a lot of times where it's like, oh yeah, I'm just reading this book because I know I know the person writing it. This is gonna be fun, you know, or I know the person drawing. It. It's like, yeah, who cares who the character is? It's like, you know, okay, yeah. So, cool. Well, uh, Kylan, give us our Marvel Unlimited pick for the week. 
Okay. Uh, I had a lot to choose from because it's Marvel Unlimited. Uh, but just a, just a small number. Uh, I went with Fury Shield 50th Anniversary Edition. Uh, 50th Anniversary from 2015. Uh, oh my goodness! <laughs> all those all those one shots were were great. I mean, the Fury they book, were the, the Agent Carter book, the Mockingbird. I mean, yeah. I I would I would I can't wait to see that um that volume brought together under uh, one book. Oh yeah, that's because I, yeah. I I don't think I got all of them, you know. But I would love to see that, them all. That, that would be a that would be a collection definitely worth picking up. Mm-hmm. I I think if it's not out, it's coming out. I I'm not sure, but I know that. It seems to me that I, I I heard that they were collecting all of the, those 50 anniversary ones. So run out and buy it at some point, or, or you know check with your local retailers. Yes, that was a that, that was an interesting one to write. That was really fun. That was I, uh, I you know honestly this has almost been perfect to sit down and read during like Father's Day weekend because <laughs> it was a great little father son story and and the twist or the reason for the visit at the end, I'm like, wow. So, that was, it was good. It's really good. I enjoyed it. Um, Thanks. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun writing that one, and that was another one where it was like, they're letting me get away with this? <laughs> okay. Um, are you sure? You know, and at one point, I was like, let me explain the end to you. And they were like, oh, no, no, we get the end. And I was like, okay. So, yeah, it was it was fun. It was really fun. Cool. Yeah. Well, we thank you, David, for coming on and uh, joining us for this giant sized issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks uh, as this has will not be appearing on Sorcerer Radio this week um, but you know, it's been a pleasure having you on I mean, really mm-hmm. had fun you know really getting into you know Nighthawk Power Man Iron Fist uh, having you judge our our picks of the week um, and, and sharing what you know the, the two books that you, you you've got to read each, uh, each month well thanks for having me I appreciate it it was it was, it was a fun way to spend my evening and uh, and and I will, when my editors ask where certain things are, I'll, I'll blame it on you guys. I'll say, hey, I had to do the, you know, I had to do this podcast, so. But, but they'll just come back with, oh, you did Mighty Marvel Geeks? Well, that's okay then. Oh, yeah, see, that's oh, yeah, perfect. That. Yeah, 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 perfect. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll cut you some slack, man. All right, well, good to know. I appreciate it. But yeah, thank you. It was, it was fun being on. I had a blast. No problem. So, um, until next week, Jarvis, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope, just time to go dark. So, if if you had to pick from all the, the titles that were given tonight, what would be your top pick overall? My Aside from Power <laughs> So Eric was saying, outside of Power Man and Iron Fist, what would be your top pick? Mine? Yes. Yeah. As in mine? Oh, it'd be Nighthawk number three. But you guys didn't even mention that one. So, you know. Oh, that's because it doesn't come out till the week after. I'm sorry. Uh, oh. <laughs> Something tells me that'll be picked next week. Um, um, hmm. That's a hunch. 
honestly, it's uh, it's the uh, Civil War choosing sides. Um, I'm uh, my friend Brandon Thomas has his first Marvel story in it. Brandon's a great guy, amazing writer. I am like beyond excited for that. So that is that's my that's my top one to be honest with you. 